When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. podcast this is your 2023 post draft edition this is brian joined by john as always john how are you doing 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 great brian glad to be done with that glad that we were past uh the draft and all of the excessive lead up to it yeah it just makes uh, draft season is definitely one of my favorite times of the year just because you know everyone's zero and zero you can get the next best player for your team at any point in the draft. So I get that. But then like those like couple weeks beforehand, you're just like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to be done with it. Like right. make the, make the draft like a couple weeks after the combine at this point is my, is my view. Yeah. It, it feels like it should be like the beginning of April or like late March. Yeah. Um, especially cause like they're already like OTAs happening and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, why, why are we waiting so long? Like this should have been, you guys should have been ready a long time ago. And it makes for, for funny things happening where like uh, CJ Stroud was like the odds on favorite to be the number one pick. And then between, you know, February and April, he was, he not only did he never become not the number one overall pick, he also just became bad at football and stupid. And <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, dang, a lot has changed in the last few months, even though he's done nothing. Yeah, apparently after the S2 scores, you thought that Bryce Young, you know, couldn't even drive a car, let alone, like, drive an NFL offense. Yeah, so, or CJ Stroud, yeah. CJ Stroud, excuse me, yeah, I was looking at Bryce Young's profile, but yeah, CJ Stroud was clinically retarded after the, after the S2 uh, testing, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, especially since the owner, or not the owner, but the, like, the CEO of whoever runs that came out and basically said, yeah, all these leaks are bullshit, guys, like, stop (laughs) But right. nevertheless, did they pers- did they persist? And that's so, that's all it takes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the Panthers didn't take CJ Stroud because he's dumb as a box of rocks and also bad at football. Yeah. He could throw a ball well, but that's about it. If he's if he if you snap the ball to him with a shotgun, he might think that it's not a ball and just drop it. So yeah, yeah, I don't, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. The Carolina Panthers, after trading up to the number one overall pick, giving away DJ Moore this year's first round pick, which was part of the swap, obviously, uh, the 2024 first round pick and a 2025 second round pick, they acquired Bryce Young, quarterback Alabama, shockingly not Will Levis, which I know he had he got some uh, his, some hype towards the end of that 
the draft process. I'm pretty sure just some person, just some dude went on to, to Reddit just to, to be funny and see what would happen if he made up a story. There definitely was an account on Twitter that was like vehemently going after everyone talking about the number one overall pick saying that Will Levis is going to be the pick and you're all stupid. That guy's account's been deleted since then. So I'm not sure if he was a, if he was a troll or if he genuinely believed that might be the same guy. Who knows? I think he was um, a troll. I, I just, it didn't even go in the, yeah, it didn't even go in the first round. Like I don't even think he was a consideration. No, no, definitely not. They, I'm sure they, because of the whole, exhaustive process they went through with all the quarterbacks. I'm sure they met with him a decent amount, but in the end, the Panthers didn't overthink it. And they took Bryce young who came into the, the off season as the number one overall prospect in the draft, as far as quarterbacks go and pretty, pretty close to the top. I'd say um, the only problem is he's short. <laughs> that seems to be everyone's problem with him is that he's a, he's a small guy uh, he weighed in over 200 pounds at the combine, but it sounds like his playing weight was around 180 to 190 in college. Um, I do know the Panthers have a nutrition plan in place for him. So maybe he'll put on a few pounds in the off season, but I mean, overall, I wasn't unhappy with the pick. I mean, he's consistently was a winner in college with Alabama, which is probably one of the toughest schools to be a quarterback for. Cause you're always playing the top talent and the top talents always coming after you because it's Alabama and their storied franchise history. So what are your thoughts, John? Yeah. And also like the size of the people he's playing for, uh, with and against are like the same as the people he'll be playing, uh, you know, playing with on Sundays. Um, I mean, I like it. I, I, he wasn't like, he's probably, he's not as exciting as a couple of the other guys. Uh, but I can't be upset about us picking the guy that like is proven to be the best quarterback currently in the class. Um, I'm not super concerned about the size. Like a, a, it's like, it's a minor thing, but like at the same time, it, it's funny. Cause like uh, Mick Smiley's draft grade recap and he was kind of rounding them up. And the one bad grade the Panthers got was from Pete. We're not bad, but like B minus. I got from Pete Prisco who is like notoriously stubborn. I don't know if it's notorious. I find him to be very stubborn about oh, no, like, he is. It, yeah, his evaluations being very kind of like antiquated in some of his criteria. Um, and it was like, and this is the same thing we talked about with other short quarterbacks, but it's like uh, he'd be an outlier for a quarterback to be successful at his size. And it's like, yeah, because no one ever tries. <laughs> right. Like it's like, yeah, no one, his size really succeeds. It's like how many of his quarterbacks of his size are given a chance to succeed? Not many. I mean, there there's Russell Wilson and uh, Kyler Murray are really the only like, and even Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Murray was a was a top pick. Um, right, and they're and they've done fine. Like they like like the the quarterbacks that were height up, for, with, but had size concerns have been fine. Like they yeah. probably have a better hit rate than the tall ones. Yeah, the Baker Mayfield begs to differ, but, you know, yeah, he I was, see what you're saying. He was short. He's not as short, but, yeah. He's short, but he also just isn't as good at, foot, at football as – No, but, yeah, but still, guys. it's like there's, it's still two out of three, and, like, you know, we're talking about, like, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and then, you know, we're not talking about uh, all the – like, I don't think they busted any higher of a rate than the tall quarterbacks is what I'm getting at. Yeah. No, I mean, I I said it in my uh, pre-draft, like, final defense of the pick that 
you know, you when you're looking at the top pick in the draft, you're looking for the guy who has more of the traits of a franchise quarterback than anybody else, I would think. At least that would be my thought process as far as uh, if I were a GM. Granted, I'm not. I did apply, and I did not. I never heard anything back from the Panthers. So you might just you know, need to call maybe, and follow up. But yeah, maybe I need to follow up. Yeah, but overall, I mean, he was just the guy with with the intangibles that you were looking for: uh, the high end processing speed, the clear ability to latch onto an offense, and very much a Luke Keekley type player as far as just his overall mentals. And obviously, not the tallest, not the biggest arm in the draft, but I mean, he he, he showed in college that he can make all the throws. Um, he's been lauded by a lot of his coaches as a guy who, you know, was in there before they got there in there in the film room after they left, um, would get the game plan, come back with his own corrections for them. Like that's the kind of stuff that I want from the first overall pick. Yeah. Like drafting at nine. Yeah. Someone like Anthony Richardson makes a lot of sense because you're not at that point, you're not picking the best quarterback in the draft. You're just looking for the best high-impact player at that position. So I get it. I also understand why people were upset about it. Um, but in the end, he's our guy now, and I am just excited to see him play in the preseason and hopefully week one. But the beautiful thing is he is surrounded by a hell of a coaching staff around him between, obviously, Frank Reich, Jim Caldwell, Josh McCown, even Andy Dalton, who – was quoted by Justin Fields as being a hell of a mentor. So, I mean, the guy already had a lot of the tools and you put him in a situation with a bunch of guys around him who will help him exceed. I mean, not to say that he's a hit now, because obviously we got to see what happens. But, I mean, if there's any situation Bryce Young was going to succeed in of the top, like, teams that needed quarterbacks, I think this is it. Yeah, the the the, the receiver depth isn't isn't, like, ideal, but the Panthers did a good job of shoring that up in the off season to at least make it to where even if there's a superstar there yet uh, there's enough there where he has options. But yeah, other than that, everything's pretty ideal in terms of like good offensive line, good coaching staff. Um, he got his number. He had to steal his number from last year's quarterback selection. So he yeah, to be on that number nine. Well, it actually worked out because the number that Corral won through or wore through college was number two. And they got rid of DJ Moore, so that was no longer a problem. <laughs> so maybe it was uh, maybe it was 40 chess what they were playing there. All right. <laughs> that should have that probably was, telegraphed the pick. That was why they got rid of DJ Moore was so they could free yeah. up the number two for Matt Corral, which would free up the number nine for Bryce Young. Yeah, fuck that's, that's yeah, that's I, I like it. I can I can buy into that. <laughs> See you, DJ. <laughs> you just had that. You just had that number, and we just couldn't we couldn't let you keep it. So. But speaking of receivers, so the next pick was at number 39 overall in the second round, Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver, Ole Miss. And immediately the fact that he had the co-sign from Steve Smith, in fact, the reports say that Steve Smith actually told the Panthers to take him. <laughs> that, that automatically gets him in my good graces because that's Steve Smith we're talking about. I mean, he's not a professional scout by any means, but I feel like if any guy, a guy like him who excelled in the NFL being smaller um, and refined his whole skill set, can he, he's a, every wide receiver that he's that he's like gone to bat for for the Panthers is granted is only DJ Moore and now this guy. So there, he's one for one. I, I'll um, take it. I will take it, too. Um, I like Jonathan Mingo a lot. I 
obviously he also has familiarity with uh, Matt Corral, which if Matt Corral actually sticks around as a backup quarterback, I think that's a great setup for the next three years uh, having a backup like him. Cause you know, he's not that much taller than Bryce Young. So I don't think the offense changes that much, <laughs> but, no. but I liked Mingo um, guys, 220 pounds, six foot two. He was probably one of the few big, like big wide receivers in this draft you could get as far as like body mass and strength and watching his highlights and stuff. I mean, the guy seems like he, he didn't have the, the high end production from the guys before him, like uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown necessarily. But I mean, he, he seems like he could be that guy. Yeah. It's funny. Cause, cause like his, his kind of, uh, you know, scouting report and like strengths and weaknesses. Like if you break down his traits, it's like, he's good at like, he's, a good route runner and he's fast and he's athletic and he's physical and he has good hands and he can track the ball well. And it's like, Oh, what's he bad at? It's like, Oh, uh, I don't know. Not really much. It's like, but he just, he just didn't get a lot of passes. Thrown to him. I read that his route running could use some work, but I feel like that's kind of par for the course for any of your, you know, not super high end, like automatically right. elite wide receivers coming out of college. Um, but I watched a lot of his plays, and he he has a lot of those uh, those bubble screens, those shat or those smoke routes where he's just catching the ball at the line of scrimmage and running. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of DJ Moore a bit the way he runs. Like maybe yeah, he fabulous. maybe a little more. Like I think he kind of make almost might make Lavisca Chenault uh, expendable because of the fact because of the things he does. Um, I mean, they're both about the same size, so. Overall, I mean, I, I get why fans weren't necessarily happy with the pick. Um, well, there's two there's two sides to that. So the reason why I don't feel that they, that they were necessarily wrong to be upset was because of the obvious need at edge, uh, the obvious need at cornerback. But I think that the, the, the um, strategy that has really worked best for the rookie quarterbacks you bring in, like Bryce Young, I think that surrounding them with weapons is the best thing you can do. And I think the Panthers have done everything they can to do that with the resources they had available. I think that's just the best way to do it. Their defense may not be as good as it was last year, though it really hasn't changed on paper, but I get that part. The one I don't get is everyone saying that he would have been available later in the draft. I hate that so much. I hate when people use that as a argument against the pick. Like if you're going to, you're going to criticize a pick or not like a pick. You have to, it has to be because you thought there were better options at that. You could have picked instead, not that you could have picked the same player later. Cause you have, that's you, he could have been picked the very next pick for all, you know? Right. And it's funny. Cause everyone looks at like the consensus, um, the consensus boards they see out there and they say, well, he could have been picked later. That's not how the fucking draft boards actually work. That is right. what nerds on Twitter and sports writers who do very good, who do very good work. I know Arif Hassan is the one who did a, uh, who did one. Uh, he writes for the athletic. He, he did one that a lot of people refer to, but that's not how it fucking works. The teams boards are based on what they need, not what Twitter thinks they need. Is this and a, they're not, they're not picking. They're, this is not like an ESPN fantasy draft where everyone's picking from the same list of ranked players. Right. And I mean, just look at the Detroit lions in the first round, for example, Everyone looked at their picks and were like, wow, those were all reaches. Guess what? 
there are more teams in the there are a lot of more teams in the NFL than just the Detroit Lions. There could very easily have been someone else who swooped in there and said, "Oh, this is the highest guy on our board," yep. even though he could have swept down to the third round and someone's consensus board. So yeah, that really bothered me, especially once I went and like actually watched him play because I'm watching the guy play. I'm like, I don't know how this guy is going to be like. I don't know if he'll be a starting wide receiver. I don't know if he'll even be a high-end wide receiver too. But I look at him, I'm like, I mean, like, LaVisca Chenault carved a nice role in the Panthers' defense or offense last season. And this guy seems like he can do all that shit too. So yeah. what's the fucking problem? Like, you see <laughs> you see this big-ass motherfucker who can run people over, is very physical, knows how to run with the ball in his hands, and can catch. What's the deal? Like, the Panthers were wowed by him. Steve Smith liked him. Why was it a reach? Into that argument too, like we can, and we'll talk about them in more depth later. But like, <laughs> Panthers got undrafted free agents that were supposed to be like fourth round picks. So like, what does that say about the the consensus rankings and stuff, right? And granted, it's never a perfect science. I know over yeah. the last couple seasons, there were guys in the later rounds where, where there were fans on our pages who were saying, "Oh, we should take that guy," or "Oh, we should take that guy." I want to say. Oh, the one Bengals defensive end. Um, I don't remember his name, but he was a guy where they drafted him late in the round and they late in the draft. And he ended up being great and people telegraphed it. So not to say they're necessarily completely wrong, but I'm right. not one to write this pick off just yet. No. Like, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's a justifiable pick. And then if you have other players you liked better, that's fine. You, there's a good chance you were also wrong. The Pan- you could be the Panthers could be wrong and you could be wrong. A lot of people are yeah. wrong on these things. And then um but using the argument of like you could have picked him later is always is never a good one because no. that's you're you're arguing a uh an assumption or a theory, not like anything provable or backed up by anything factual at all. It's just a guess. Yep. So that's where I stand on it. Now do we have anything else we want to talk about with Mr. Mingo, or are we going to move on to the next no, one? Uh, he's got a great name. I do like that name. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, before we even move on, just just want you guys to, to be keyed in on the Slack chat of the Panther, or excuse me, while during the Panthers draft, uh, Jonathan Stewart selected or announced the pick for Jonathan Mingo, and Jonathan DeLong here had had, a, had to make his comment because, you know, <laughs> a bunch of Jonathans. So yep. it almost made me want to root against him from the, from the get go, but I won't do that now. <laughs> so um, I appreciate that. But so this was the most hotly contested pick of the draft number pick or pick number 80 DJ Johnson in the third round, the Panthers traded away a 2023 fourth round pick to move up and get him. And oh boy, was was Twitter mad about that one? <laughs> everywhere, everywhere um, was mad about that one. Yeah, I mean, even the, even the the experts like just shit on that one, and I don't know how to feel about it yet. Um, oh, as as someone who is like pretty much always neutral to optimistic about everything, like I'm not mad about it. The only thing I'm not super thrilled about is the, the process you know trading up never good never a good idea unless you're trying to get a quarterback um trading up in the third round to pick someone i don't i don't know usually is not a way to build successful franchises but then again like we talked about we gave up what a fourth round pick mm-hmm. 
And like, you know, th- we also signed undrafted free agents that were apparently graded as fourth round picks. So is it really that big of a deal? I don't know. So I did listen to Scott Fitterer. I don't want to call it his defense of it, but his reasoning, the process behind mm-hmm. it. Um, he did an interview with, I don't remember what the outlet was, but he did an interview about it. And basically what came up was the things that they want, they want uh, him to do were things that a lot of the other prospects at his position, they didn't think would translate the way they want him to. Like basically they, they drafted him in order to be like, he's going to play snaps like year one. That's not going to be an issue. Um mm-hmm. So what they looked at was his physical skill set, his ability to set to set the edge. So that's kind of where they where he defended. He basically said these were this is a guy the coaches really wanted. Um, we're looking at there were a bunch of edge rushers that went before him, so they thought that they wouldn't be able to get him before their pick or at, like at their pick was was kind of the rationale he made. So he said we liked this guy. We liked, we liked what we project for him to be the role in our defense. So they went up and got him. Now, as you said, there is an argument to be made against trading up in the draft, especially since it's all dark throws, especially after the first two rounds, but the guy's athletic as fuck. Now he did play in college for five years. That's a red (laughs) flag. Um, but he was very positionless in college and he had six sacks in his final season, which that's not, that's good production. It's not great production, but as a, as a guy who will be rotational on the other, on the side opposite of Brian Burns, I can see the fit because they have, they have uh, Marquise Haynes, they have Yeter Gross Matos. So they have two different skill sets there. This kind of, this guy will kind of round that out a little bit. Like I think early on, He's the kind of guy where if you're in a like third and 15 situation, you could throw him out there on the edge or even like blitzing as a linebacker along with the other four linemen. And you could see success early there. I don't know. It's hard for me to say. I liked what I liked that Scott Fitterer was so honest about why they traded up for him, which was basically, like I said, coaches like this guy. He's not going to be there when we pick. So we went and got him. Is that the right process? I don't know. I didn't get hired to be a GM in the NFL. They, they didn't take my application. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what until they had to suggest that, that he wasn't, he in particular wasn't going to make it to that pick. So, I mean, yeah. you know, um, I think th- there's probably a lot of uh, hand wringing over the fact that he's like considered somewhat raw, even though he's old and played in college for five years. But I also think that's kind of a misrep, like an unfair representation of his actual college career because he spent two of those years either playing exclusively on offense or playing both places. Like he wasn't getting a lot of development time as a pass rusher right. throughout those five years. So like he's relatively inexperienced at the position, even, even with his age. So that I don't think is super, you know, like I don't think that's a fair critique of him. Like, Oh, if he's still raw after this long, is easy even going to get better? It's like, I mean, yeah, probably. Cause it's more of a, it's more of a, time spent at the experience thing as opposed to like just amount of time spent uh playing football yeah and it certainly helps that he's an athletic freak i mean his relative athletic score was very very good so it's not a situation where you see a decline in the physical aspect yet so this is one of those times where I'm just going to put my hands up and say, you know what? I'll let Brian Burns and those defensive coaches work with this guy. And hopefully he, he makes an impact. All I know is that 
Fitterer set the expectation for me that he's going to play snaps week or year one. So we'll this, see if that happens or not. This this remind, brings me to a, a principles question because I saw this talked about a lot on CSR. Um, what is your opinion of Fitterer having like receiving so much input from like coordinators and position coaches? I think it's great. Same. I mean, like, fit, fit, I, I don't, I don't, I know Fitterer came from Seattle, but he wasn't like their GM there. I, he very much seems to be right along this, right in the same mindset as like David Tepper and reportedly Frank Reich, where they're very collaborative. And I think that's, that's the right way to be. Like, I don't think that you should be, you and your, your scouting staff should be like, we're going to take this player. We're going to take that guy. Now, it's going to be amplified if this pick doesn't work out because he traded up to get him where they have mm. less draft picks. So now every bust from this draft class that they have is going to look a lot worse because they only had five picks. Mm. So, but I like the, I like his process. He's very uh, open about his, about his process and mindset when he talks to the media after, after drafting players. I like that. It gives you a little more insight into things and gives you kind of a defensibility rather than them just saying, oh, he was the best player on our board. Was right. he? Probably not. Like, you, you can't really say that with a straight face to people when you trade up for a guy that was that a lot of analysts had as like a fourth or fifth round pick. But right. it's fine. It's one of those things. It's, it's, yeah, there's two things. One. I also agree that I like the collaborative approach because, uh, you know, these the guy like I don't think like you, as a general manager, you can't just like sit there and say, hey, like, hey, guys, rank the players for me. But if you've got they, they the coaches and the rest of the staff are watching tape on these guys and talking to these guys. And they're the ones that have to make decisions, like have to play them and put them in positions to succeed and use the players. And if they say like, hey, Scott, I really know, like, I, I really think this guy does some things that I want on this defense. Like, you're like, all right, well, go here you go. Um, Cause that's, I feel like that's that kind of synergy is important. And then the other thing, yeah. um, I think there's value in just getting the players you want when you can get them. I, I don't know if it really matters that you're winning the value game, like on an individual pick basis, right? Like I know some people will do this and it's annoying, but generally speaking, like, if if DJ Johnson is being a very good player, are people going to be like, yeah, like, oh, he's really good for a third round pick. But would you imagine if we picked him 13 picks later without trading up? Like, that's who cares, right? Like, if you if the player if he's productive and you get value out of him, does it really matter like where you got him to begin with? Because it's all going to shake out in the long run anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. And the the thing that's kind of lost in all this is like you look at a team like the Eagles where they 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 hit the the first round out of the fucking park with their picks. Yeah. But they already had an established team. They had the luxury of taking the best player available. Right. The Panthers do not have that luxury. Yeah. They their wide receivers while I like I like Adam Thielen, I like DJ Chark, I like Terrace Marshall. If they rolled if they go, went out there week one with those guys, there's, there is a chance that Bryce Young will get shut down. So they didn't have the luxury of having a bunch of already of, they didn't have the luxury of having established edge players. They didn't have the luxury of having an established secondary. They don't have the luxury of taking the best player available 
regardless of position because they have glaring needs elsewhere. And this was one of those picks where it did fit the need. Was he the best player available? Probably fucking not. Let's be real. But he fits what they need, what they want, and they need him to do. There's a chance they'll end up losing um, Frankie Luvu after this year, so that it may even have played an ed, uh, a role in that. So that's just what they had to do. Unfortunately, they they did have to parlay a bunch of draft picks to move up to one. They did have to parlay another draft pick to move up to eighty. So it happens. Hopefully, next year with their without their they will have a full draft aside from their first round pick. But I guess we'll fucking see. Who knows? So, All right. Yep. But the Panthers then, round four, 114, they did stay pat, and they got Chandler Zavala, offensive lineman, NC State. And you want to know another player who went to NC State on our roster, John? I don't think there is one, Brian. Ikem Aquanu. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And they played right next to each other in college. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And that this pick was highly great, was graded very well by a lot of the draft experts, despite the fact that he has some injury concerns. So there's a little inconsistency there. I don't know. But um, overall, I mean, the current, uh, at least a lot of what I was reading after the draft was he could be a plug and play starter week one, which would be very good for the Panthers because there's a pretty good chance Austin Corbett's not playing week one. Mm. He was their starting right guard from last year. It sounds like Brady Christensen will be okay, but I mean, I wouldn't be upset if they just decided to roll uh, Aquanu and Zavala right next to each other again and just kind of run behind those two for a few games. Run it back, <laughs> get the band back together. Yeah, because they were apparently uh, some road graders right next to each other with NC State. Yeah. It, it's, 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 I think we've talked about it on the show before that it's, it's not a bad idea as just as a, uh, what do you want to call it, like principle that, you just draft an offensive lineman in the mid rounds of just every single draft. Just keep keep adding depth, and eventually somebody's going to hit. And uh, you're all you're going to you have to turn through so many players at that position anyway because players age so quickly and get hurt so often that like just keep stocking the cupboard. And good athletes are good. We've learned. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers really liked their multiple linemen uh, looks last year. Which, granted, this is a different coaching staff, but. They managed to get Cade Mays involved in the offense last season. And so now they added another guy there. And yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree. The Eagles, once again, bringing up the Eagles do a very good job of this in that they constantly, constantly load the trenches on both sides of the ball and it's paid dividends. They've been a very good team over the last couple seasons. So I like the pick a lot, especially since he could fill in that need to begin the season, which I think that with a team like the Panthers this year, you're going to see, I think their, their direction is going to be determined very quickly by the first few games. Mm -hmm. So we'll see overall really like the pick though. He could start at left guard or right guard right away. And I would not be opposed to it at all. And that's that grab a, grab an interior offensive lineman. Cause you need those. And it gives them the flexibility where if uh, somehow he beats out great Brady Christensen, they just have a swing tackle on the roster. So yeah. a little, little uh, Scott fitter, you know, making people mad with the day two picks and then redeeming himself to start day three. Right. Yeah. Oh, and good transition. Actually his uh, second day three pick Jamie Robinson safety, out of Florida state though. He, I, the caveat is he's a safety slash nickel corner. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of mocks had him going in like the third round. Um, I I watched some I watched some tape of this dude and fucking violent tackler. Let me tell you that. <laughs> like, I liked a lot of what I saw. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the most athletic guy, but of a defensive back who can run up and pop somebody. I'm I'm always a fan of. I just I always am. You know, I'm the defensive back guy on this podcast, and yep. I liked him. Yeah, it's like kind of uh, like what he lacks in physical gifts he makes up for in like effort and grittiness, right? Yeah. And that's kind of a, an important thing to have. And in, in if he's playing, he's just playing in that kind of like you said, that nickelback safety hybrid rover role thing. And it's just kind of like, you know, he's got a short area quickness, which is good. Um, the long speed probably doesn't matter as much in any strength shortcomings he has or size, which he's, he's not that, I don't think his size is a problem. I saw like, again, in the draft grades article, someone called him tiny, even though he's like 5'11", 205. Like that's like normal, like exactly average defensive back size. But, oh, for uh, a nickel corner, that's actually heavier too. Right. So like, yeah. I think like, I'm not worried. Like he's, yeah, he's got the, the, the want to, I guess, to be good in that position, right. To just kind of mix it up. And, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's kind of like a rotational piece with how the Panthers probably will play defense while their safeties and stuff. So it's good depth. Nah. Yeah. And I know there's, there's people wringing their hands because, uh, Dante Jackson's coming off his Achilles injury. Uh, CJ Henderson just sucked last year. So their corner depth is not great, but Robinson will factor in as a nickel corner. I really think that the Eric Rowe, the signing they made over the last month, uh, will end up probably being their starting nickel corner. But this guy could factor into those snaps as well, especially if there's any injuries. So a guy who could play who could play nickel corner snaps in the in round five, I'll take it. I mean, and obviously with, with the hitting talent that I was talking about, he should be a factor on special teams as well. I mean, I can't hate the pick. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Andy's teammates with JC Horn, so I'm sure they got that dog mentality between the two of them. So, or was teammates with him? I should no wait no he he did yeah okay yeah he did yeah, play he, with JC yeah. Horn. Yeah, yeah, I was like I was looking at like wait ago. a minute his his college said Florida State, but I was like no He's no transferred. I read that somewhere. He play players <laughs> transfer all over the place. It's hard to keep track. Uh, yeah. The one thing I was thinking of, and I haven't watched enough of him to know if this is accurate or not, but like the uh, reading the stuff reminded me of like uh, Taran Matthew. With like the not not a great, you know, like Tyron Matthew has like an awful rat, like relative athletic sport, like really bad. And he's small, but he just like he he's he's a he's gritty and he plays tough and he plays hard and he's made himself like a really, really good player. And I'm not saying that Robinson's going to be that good, but like there is precedent, I guess, that, you know, in that position, if you if you play a certain way, you can make up for athletic deficiencies. Yeah, and I think this Panthers defense this year is going to once again have to blitz a lot to create um, to create uh, pressure. So I think that between him and Eric Rowe, like coming off the sides as like nickel corners and stuff, that's going to be an asset. So obviously, you would hope that the Panthers would have walked away from this draft with a starting wide receiver, a starting corner, a starting edge rusher. That's not how it works in the draft sometimes, but it is yeah. what it is. So it is what it is, but I like right. the pick. So, yeah. so John, we went over the 
top draft picks from the Panthers 2023 NFL draft class. But now we got to talk about the undrafted free agents, a.k.a. the fun group. <laughs> yeah, we, it's super fun. It's kind of fun this, for real, though. It is fun because you never really know who you're going to get. And a lot of times you'll end up with players that uh, supposedly should have been drafted. The the inverse of B, of uh, DJ Johnson, if you will. So <laughs> uh, as far as undrafted free agents, John, anybody catch your eye there? Well, the, the first the first one is just uh, name related, because that's always my favorite thing about just football like draft in general, a uh, bumper pool. And I'm going to, <laughs> and I'm going to always, always, always call him bumper pool like that. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like delineate his name. Like you would normally say someone's name, like bumper pool. I'm just going to call him bumper pool. <laughs> and that's what he chose when he legally changed his name at age 16 to bumper pool. Oh, is that what he did? Really? That's what Wikipedia said. That, that's what Twitter says too. I'm looking at his draft profile right now as well. Um, wow, bumper pool. Fuck it, that's a great name. I hope he's a Pro Bowler. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first thing that jumped out. What was funny was again, um, it was funny because uh, Daniel was like in the chat was like, I just want us to sign bumper pool, and I was like, that's funny. And I told my girlfriend, I was like. There's a there's a player in the draft named Bumper Pool. Like how how funny is that? And then uh, I don't know. Two hours later, I'm like, Hey, remember I told you there's a guy named Bumper Pool? She's like, Yeah. I'm like, He's a Panther. So that was a fun little fun little story. <laughs> uh, got that guy. But in terms of like actual players, uh, as we talked about, we we, we think very highly of the uh, the draft experts and the people who get paid to talk about the draft but aren't. You, good enough to ever get like hired by an NFL team to actually do their drafts. Um, but based on, on ESPN, they had, they took Todd McShay's rankings and they were like, all right, here's the 25 best players in his rankings that didn't get drafted. And here's where they signed. And the Panthers got two of the top four. So uh, that's good. They probably could have drafted them instead of DJ Johnson and we'd have even better team. Right. Yeah. It would have made the team so much better if they just burned those draft picks on those guys instead of yeah. the position of you. And then sign DJ Johnson later because we couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. there's no way there's no way anyone else would have drafted him. Nope, yeah. no way, no chance. No but way. yeah, Jalen Redmond, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Um, also like kind of a need a little bit, at least like with youth at the position and stuff. And then uh, I don't know how to say his name. Well, Rajon, I'm guessing it's like Rajon Wright. I think it's just Ray Rajon Wright. Who's a corner? Rajon, yeah. Which yep. is what we said we need, and you know we didn't draft one, but getting you know a draftable draft draftable cornerback as an undrafted free agent, you know he'll have himself he'll get a chance to to make the team and contribute right away. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, defensive tackle, I think, is just one of those positions where they've just filled it with a bunch of veteran guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Shy Tuttle, I like as well. So. Getting that getting that spot filled in with someone where it's relatively low risk because they can just if he sucks they can just move on from him whatever no big right. deal. Um, Rajon, I like as well. Uh, I got a I got a bunch of positive feedback from other NFL fans that I know that are super into the draft about this guy. Um, basically, just excellent size, you know, pretty good in press, good in zone, which the Panthers are planning on being a. Uh, or seem to be a pretty a pretty good zone, or going to be pretty zone heavy, I should say. Mm-hmm. 
major knock seems to be that he's not big, which that tends to happen with undrafted free agents. And uh, he's not the fastest, which also happens to coincide with people becoming undrafted free agents. But I like those guys a lot. Um, The Panthers also got Josh Van out of South Carolina. I know Brad will be very happy about that. Um, Overall, it just seems like they spent their entire on almost their entire UDFA list was all positions of need. Um, and that's what you got to That's that's I like that approach, though. Yeah, I mean, they got two offensive linemen, which, as you said, I mean, offensive line is almost never a need if you're on a good a team that's, you know, doing the right things. But other than that, we got quarterback Mark Milton Baylor running back Cam Peoples, Appalachian State. That should please some Panthers fans as well. Trevez Moore, Arizona State edge linebacker Austin Ijake, UNLV. Uh, safety, Nico Bolden. Safety wasn't really a need, but let's be clear. You can never have too many safeties either, <laughs> like offensive line. You've been, you've been very steadfast in that belief. That's that's yeah. right. And they've done, the Panthers have done a beautiful job of making sure that my my thoughts are justified in that, but with their signings this offseason. So um, linebacker, AQ Leota, Auburn. Cornerback, Colby Richardson, LSU. And offensive tackle, Ricky Lee, NCANT along with the three that we mentioned. So overall pretty need heavy, which I'm, I mean, if you're not going to have, if you're going to throw away draft picks, you might as well, I think, take as many flyers as you can on undraft free agents to fill those needs. So I do find it kind of interesting that the Panthers seem like they don't have as many people on the roster right now as they normally do at this time of year. They're not at 90. I know that. much. Uh, no, they, they, they had like, 20 spots to fill with UDFAs or yeah. something pretty crazy. Um, one guy that I wanted to point out, uh, Austin Ajiake, the linebacker yeah. from the NLV, good, good um, RAS score and has like special teams experience. So that's a kind of like special teams kind of guy that I thought was interesting. Um, very fast, very explosive, not very big, but you know, that's we're not worried about that as much for like if we're playing punt coverage or like a special teams gunner type of thing. Yeah, as a quick aside on the special teams, I the Panthers obviously had a very improved special teams unit last season. Um which obviously came with the with the new with the coach from the Bears that they signed over uh in 2022, but I do like the continued emphasis on continuing to build there between Jamie Robbins or Robinson between that guy um <laughs> That guy, you know, that guy, uh, I, I, Aki, I don't know how the fuck to pronounce it, but I, yeah, I do like done some pronunciation to, research before we did this. So I did like that. They, they brought back Sam Franklin as well, who was apparently pretty close to being a pro bowler as a special teamer. So I do like the continued emphasis on improving the special teams. Cause you can like special teams is one of those positions where one snap or two snaps here and there in a, in a game can change the entire game. If your special teams makes a play. So I do like that a lot. Very much. But, I mean, the star of the class probably is, to me, Jalen Redmond, just because the Panthers have maybe, like, two or three, like, actual interior defensive linemen that are, like, part of the 3-4 that should be playing. So I think he'll add to the the, uh, rotation there. But overall, I mean, it's it's hard to really make any kind of – um, opinion on these guys because we have to see them practice. We have to see what they do during the practice, during practice, during training camp. But 
I do feel like they're going to have two or three guys who are going to come out and be like, oh, why weren't these guys drafted out of this group? Right. May not be the ones we expect, but we'll see. We, um, yep. And then I'm just like, and then the thing that's what I enjoy is that all these UDFAs to kind of bring, to circle back to that real quick, uh, mostly like really good athletes, which Mm -hmm. is the right idea. Pick, just throw a bunch of stuff at positions where you need depth and then create a bunch of athletes and, you know, maybe you'll, you can figure that out. Let's say find diamonds in the rough. Yeah. I mean, I know that was kind of uh, Matt rule and Scott Fitterer's, um, mo back in the last couple seasons but i think with the udfas that is the right way to go about it because when you're looking at the udfa squads it's not about how are they going to win in the nfl it's what do they have that could make them nfl level talent and right. usually athleticism is one of those things <laughs> so right it, it, it's it's I, I think people are like maybe a little bit spooked by like oh yeah we did that with matt rule and it, look at how that turned out but like it's still the right thing to do like you still do want athletes um, good yeah. athletes it's 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 one of those things where like just being a great athlete won't make them a great player but they're much they have a much better chance of success when they can lean on that athleticism and have that athleticism to cover other shortcomings than someone who doesn't have that and Those another traits. part about it is that 50 percent of an, a draft pick is the coaching right obviously the coaching staff is a lot different than it was from last year yes the so, development, the development tracks are not what, what, what the other guys were getting. Yeah. So, so we'll see, but uh, real quick off the cuff before we end the show, what's your favorite draft pick of this, of this draft or, or um, creation? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, just Bryce young. Let's just keep it simple. Cause uh, quarterbacks and quarterbacks are fun to new quarterbacks are fun to root for. Yeah, I was gonna try to make the argument that Mingo was my favorite, but nah, it's Bryce Young for me. Yeah, I was I was also about to say that I was about to do that too. And then yeah, I was just like, nah, let's just keep it like don't don't be an edgelord. Just just keep it simple. The quarterback's yeah, the fun thing. Like I really like that Robinson kid, but at the same time, there are a lot of defensive backs that come out from college where you like their tape and you say, Oh, he could be really good, and then they, you know. They been a been wickery themselves out of the league, so <laughs> I forgot about you know, that guy. Right? Yeah, yeah. That was that was one of my guys. I watched his tape and I was like, I like this guy. I think he'd be a good rotational starter. And yeah, you know, he he worked out for a little bit. He, but he was yeah. a rotational starter. You get that yeah. part right. Yeah. Just with the good part. Yeah, I mean, he was good for like two years, but um, <laughs> but yeah, Bryce Young overall still the jewel of the class. Um, very excited to see him get out there, throw the ball around a little bit in the preseason, which is three months away. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be a long offseason. Yep. Just two months, two and a half months till training camp. Yeah. Where we can just comment insistently on people making plays in practice. Yeah, so now we, we replace the the – overly long drawn out draft process process with the uh overreactions to training camp or uh ota like to team workouts and stuff and the offseason superstars i will say i don't think the free agency period for the panthers is over in fact i did see that a bunch of panthers players all of a sudden followed unique Ngakwe on instagram so that may not be done yet we'll see that'd be an interesting pickup 
they need it, especially yeah. since DJ Johnson apparently sucks already. So, right, he, yeah. he, yeah, we we already since we already know one of our draft picks is a bust. Yeah, <laughs> gotta now we gotta go back and cover for that mistake. Yeah, um, I I, I heard the name and it was he's that's such a good name because I was like in Gakwe, it's like oh that's the guy that was really good for the Jaguars, and then I pulled it up and it was, that was 2017, and he hasn't been like. I mean, he's had double-digit sacks. He had 10 and nine and a half sacks each of the last years, but it's like, oh, man, <laughs> time is, is going quiet. fast. <laughs> he is quietly a double-digit sack leader <laughs> right. in the NFL. Like, like no one really is like, oh, wait a minute, Yannick Gungakwe, one of one of the better pass rushers. Like, uh, you, you hear the name, you're like, oh, what has he been doing? Oh, you know, yeah. 20 sacks for the last two years. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah no, it, his his sack totals for his career, he's remarkably consistent. Um, he was traded in 2020, but for his totals for the year, eight, twelve, nine and a half, eight, eight, ten, nine and a half. Like, yeah, that'd be a good. Be, I'll say it. I'll go. That'd be a solid pickup. Yeah, I think it could still happen. The Panthers have the cap space for it. We'll see. That'd be cool. I think it would be cool too. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to touch on as far as the 2023 NFL draft and undrafted free agent class, John? Uh, no, uh, that's, I think we talked about most of it. Um, I'm going to spend sporadic time from now until the summer, just like watching Bryce Young highlights and uh, Jonathan Mingo highlights and things just to be like, yeah, they're going to be great. Hey, at least it's better than Will Levitt highlights. So there's more of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. Well, anyway, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian joined by John. As always, we just broke down your A-plus Panthers draft class. You can't tell me anything different. They nailed this draft class. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We will have more for you as the offseason progresses. Talk to you soon. Yep. Drafted zero busts as of this recording. See you guys.